Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Money and Me. Today, my special guest is Swapnil Mishra, Head of Private Wealth at Crystal AI. We're going to start with a look at the political event of 2020 and how the US election may affect financial markets. It is the event of the year. Everybody's been watching the Democratic National Convention, Republican National Convention for signals into how if either of the men are re-elected, what that means for the US economy and the market, worth bearing in mind that the impact that any U.S. president can have on the economy and the market really depends on the ability to enact legislation. As far as who is likely to win, well, history strongly favors the incumbent. Nearly three quarters of sitting presidents have been re-elected if you take a historical view of elections going back to 1932. But we're going to look forward with Swapnil. First up, good morning. How are you, Swapnil? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I am doing good. Okay, let's look at a Trump scenario, a second-term agenda released by the Trump campaign a couple of days back. Put China on hold, so to speak, saying Um, China, yeah, yeah, saying, you know, they want to hold China fully accountable for allowing the COVID virus to spread around the world. Put that as its priority for a second agenda. Other items include tax credits for companies that reshore manufacturing from China and ending federal contracts with firms that outsource to the country. Also, in his second term, President Trump has promised to bring back a million manufacturing jobs from China. So broadly, what do you think a Trump presidency re-election will mean for the U.S. economy? If we go by just what has happened in the last six months in terms of how the reaction has been from Trump in terms of energizing the central bank and the Fed resources to, to kind of do all it takes, the markets are going to definitely like the idea. And, and if you see it as a combination, that Trump plus vaccine, uh, you could see S&P 500 at 4,000 <laughs> if, if both the events happen. He's, he's clearly you know, favoring and, and there's no, you know, we have, it's, it's demonstrated behavior. With Biden, there is the uncertainty as to how he will react to situations or you know, what kind of tax cuts will he continue or even you know, potentially discontinue because there's, there's some fear around that. So I think from a market's point of view, clear it's, it's clearly Trump. And that's also partly confusing because right now the way the markets are behaving, mm. it appears they are pricing in a Trump victory and almost almost anticipating that. While if you see the poll numbers, they don't really show that much, you know, that that's in favor of Trump. It's, it's a bit confusing there, but the markets clearly will favor Trump. Markets have, have tended to react more positively in the immediate aftermath of the election of a Republican president because, you know, broadly thought of as more market friendly. But does yeah. that line stand when we're talking about Trump, you know, given what he's doing with globalization, saying no federal contracts for companies to outsource to China, for example, or, you know, bring back manufacturing to the U.S., allowing for 100 percent expensing deduction. So does that narrative still stand? Even if you see the tariffs, right, the China tariffs, the Mm. entire thing, while the headlines was great and it was great political speech, in reality, it has not really helped the businesses. It has, you know, the only thing they managed to get was for China to buy some agri products, but that has not really helped. Yet, from a political perspective, I think the headlines are what people like. And at least in the swing states, you may see, 
an influence because of those headlines you know just saying that i'll continue the tax cut maybe i'll just make it permanent or the fact that i'll go for creating you know 10 million new jobs in 10 months so in an environment where the economy is struggling the fact that he's been able to take credit for bringing the unemployment from you know double digit to now at 10 and targeting to get it even lower those things will resonate well with the people at large the aspect also of fatigue setting in with the coronavirus so the 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 impact of you know the the coronavirus is something which is also going to go down and on top of that if the vaccine is found then it <laughs> then he'll take full credit for everything yeah that plus vaccine part of your equation very important i think right all right yeah. let's look at a biden win you know some economists say that this could spell a return to old economy uh, cyclicals it could also mean more spending on infrastructure some are anticipating tech leaders to see even more scrutiny wondering whether that could weigh on tech stocks what do you think uh, a biden win could mean for the economy so in the trump equation china is the only factor which is which is bringing an uncertainty mm. because of the economic impact on us with biden i think that's the part which he will be or he should be able to really address on all three parameters which is you know being able to work closely with allies to even pressure china wherever it is needed because right now one of the challenges that trump is facing is he's not able to kind of you know leverage off the strength of allies so biden may be able to do that and even in terms of the you know reviving some of the you know economic ties i think biden may contribute to the economy by by leveraging on that what what do you think about antitrust enforcement do you think he's going to come down on that i don't think so today the dependency on tech is so high Mm-hmm. that a lot of these things i mean we have seen we have seen people you know stand in front of the hearing the senate hearings and then then nothing happens i don't think there may be some financial penalty out of that but i don't think it will result in as extreme an action even if biden is in power to break up these companies and do those kind of things i i think that's that's too disruptive and in the current environment in the next 2 3 years it is too fragile to even show that level of aggression in terms of certain sectors that could benefit from a biden presidency biden has proposed 2 trillion dollars worth of infrastructure spending over 4 years his focus clean energy eliminating carbon emissions from power plants so do you think all economy sectors like industrial and materials could benefit from a biden win i think so like even his focus on on 5g to say that you know that's something where he wants to make america more competitive and to focus on the american infrastructure the american institutions i think all of those things are going to be a big contributor and and that sector will benefit for sure okay and what about the call from biden to increase corporate tax to 28% do you think that's going to weigh on corporations no that that's bad news i think that i think that and the, i think the minimum wage also i don't know whether it is is that really happening but he is proposing increasing the minimum wage i think both of them are no go it's a classic democrat move yes, and i yes. don't think businesses or companies will definitely not like it yes yes and the pro union push as well that could create cost margin yeah. pressures let's move to apple and tesla one of my favorite voices in in this space definitely on making your money work hard for you is jim cramer he believes that both apple and tesla have long term upside after their stock splits what do you think do you think value wise and if you look at the growth trajectory even after the stock split it's a good idea to hold on to apple and tesla stocks if you have them i know some investors are trimming their apple stocks yes i think there is there is you know we're seeing that at least in case of apple tesla is is slightly different i feel tesla is is like a religion so you have believers and you have the non believers <laughs> so if you are a believer in the future 
then Tesla is a stock to hold and, and you know, they're not, I mean, people compare them to making cars, uh, but in reality, it's just a tech company with, with a significant amount of innovation, whether it's self-driving or it's the batteries. So I would say the question for Tesla and Apple both is not around uh, whether you should hold or not. I think it's about how much you hold because they have to have a permanent place in the portfolios. You do yeah. agree that they are going to continue to rise in the long term, both firms, Apple and Tesla. So in case of the growth trajectory, so if you see Tesla is like, you know, they are going to get level five, I think, uh, the, uh, on the self-drive, the automation this year. Mm. So in, in case of Tesla, there is some element of uncertainty around the technological innovations. Mm. And that is why, you know, the, the risk is higher and hence the reward is also going to be high because uh-huh. the people are taking, a, you know, the, the, the fact that if this, if this man can create a company that can help uh, remotely dock a space vehicle, <laughs> I'm sure he'll figure out how to get the car uh, going. That's where Tesla's uh, uncertainty is higher, but also has much higher potential. With Apple, we are not in the early stage of, you know, smartphone migration. That was like five years, six years back. Today, uh, smartphone migration is more or less done. Everyone has. And that's where the revenues and the margins will come under um, pressure for Apple. And so their ability to innovate and create new AirPods or a new smartwatch or some new products is going to be uh, uh, they'll have to work harder for uh, showing the same amount of growth. All right. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about Tesla and its battery day. So Tesla's battery day is going to be live stream September 22nd. 22nd, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Currently, Tesla batteries are designed to last till about uh, 500,000 miles or so. So do you think, um, you know, Tesla battery day, this, this whole idea, this promise of major capacity increases is a bit of a risk because what if it doesn't happen? We all remember that bulletproof window that shattered in a Tesla car. Tesla has had its share of, uh, you know, disasters as well. I I think the battery day is something which uh, just has that excitement around it. Mm. The real test for for Tesla in terms of, uh, you know, financials would be in October when they they come out with their results. People will take decisions on their uh, holdings between September and October because that's where, you know, you will will go by what has been disclosed. And, and, I mean, he tends to, you know, even through tweets and all, he, he does share a lot of information. So if there is uncertainty anticipated in the earnings for October, mm. then yes, uh, there might be something. But in the in the run-up to the, the battery day, mm. I think uh, there will be still excitement. You know, because so much seems to be riding on Tesla's potential in this whole sphere of future battery technologies. I mean, you say you're a believer in Tesla as well, right? Does a lot of it ride on this? A large part of it, including the, I mean, if you keep the cars, I would say 50 to 60% of it rides on, on, on this alone. And you just have to hear, you know, some of the people talk about the, the valuations. Like if you see the ARK ETF, right? So the ARK ETF yep. for, for retail investors, that's a great ETF because it allows you to, I think one of them, ARKK has 10% holdings in Tesla. And, and uh, they, are, uh, they are firm believers of, of the uh, technology and the innovation in the long run, of course. So, you know, there's no doubt that in the short run, these stocks can go down by 30% uh, sure, yeah. quite easily. But in the long run, they need to have, innovation needs to be there in the portfolio and not just, uh, you know, dinosaurs uh, like banks or uh, you know, oil companies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to Jerome Powell, the Fed chairman, making a highly anticipated speech at the virtual version, the first time at the Fed's Jackson Hole conference, no fishing, 
nothing you know happy like that. It's all online. So everybody invests is looking to the possible outcomes. The Fed has said, you know, Powell has said he's not thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. What are you? What do you think most investors are expecting from the Fed in terms of inflation? Are you? Are we expecting a more relaxed approach to inflation? That's something which he has to say because that was the stated goal uh, or, or you know objective when they started this entire exercise of review. So I don't think so. So in my view, mm-hmm. and I think that's also what investors are pricing in right now, is that nothing major will be, no detail will be disclosed by Powell in his speech. And there are two reasons for that. One is there is uncertainty of the presidency itself. So there is you know there is that event which is happening. So you know, from his point of view, there's no need to commit to things when there is a, a, a big uh, political event that's happening. That's number one. Number two, if he ends up scaring the market, mm-hmm. which means if he goes into the details of, you know, what he's looking to do or even in terms of uh, thinking or talking about the, uh, the, e- uh, the removal or taking away of the stimulus uh, that has been thrown in, in reaction to how the market has behaved, I think that will create a sense of panic. So, my expectation is, and, and the market also probably is pricing in, that it will be just maintaining the fact that, yes, they have an inflation target. They continue to have some flexibility, so it can go from 2% to 25 mm-hmm. And the rest will be wait and watch. We will see the data and then take decisions. This is interesting because I think the expectations are that he's going to say something profoundly consequential and meaningful, but you're saying no. That's, that's, that's headline because if, if, you, if you say that, it's going to be a non-event, then I don't think I'll even read that article. But if you say it's going to be... <laughs> no, no, he has a tightrope. It's, he, he can't do much on either side. When it comes to inflation, he can set a goal, but yeah. they're not taking any actions to push the yield curve. And at the same time, they can't withdraw stimulus. So otherwise the market will get really scared. He's really, I mean, I, I, I would hate to be in that spot. And you have Trump watching over you because, you know, if you say something, he'll be sitting next to him. This is the major driver of the U.S. market, right? Yes, exactly. Mm. And in, in terms of inflation, the argument is the Fed has never met its 2% inflation target, yeah. one of its two core pillars in terms of objectives. So does it need to you know, chase a new inflation target because some say the fact that the dollar is tanking already means that some inflation is happening. Actually, this is this is a very interesting uh, question. Uh, in fact, there's an article that came out in The Economist, I think uh, this week or last week, mm. which addresses this uh, entire Phillips curve, you know, the quote, the relation between unemployment and inflation and how for for many years, this, this entire relationship, the inverse relationship has been breaking up. And that's also demonstrated by how the Fed is not able to, uh, you know, meet its goal, even after stating that as a goal. So you're right, 1.5 is what they have done. It's a, it's a tricky one because even last, we saw that in 2018 and 19, where they tried to rush into rate hikes. You know, it was too early. So that kind of, you know, again, it spooked the market. Thankfully, in 2019, they were able to get a little bit of rate hikes so that they had some ammunition for rate cuts. And so right now is a very dangerous territory because they can't cut rates to support and they need to see some stimulus. In my view, infrastructure spending in U.S. could be one thing which can, which can spark some inflationary you know, growth through that uh, spending. 
Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, let's talk a little bit about the IPO that uh, many investors are excited about. Jack Ma's Ant Group filing for the Hong Kong Shanghai IPO. Uh, the financial tech powerhouse reporting profits of 3.2 billion US dollars on total revenues of 72.5 billion yen. So, how how is the market reacting? Uh, relatively with great excitement. Yeah, I, I got five you know messages and calls in the morning, including <laughs> mine, <thing>. including mine, <laughs> including yours. <laughs> then what can we do about this? How do we participate? <laughs> this is why I wanted to talk so, about it. <laughs> no, so it, it is definitely exciting, and if you if you come you know if you combine this with the way Alibaba and Tencent and all these stocks have been behaving in the last you know couple of days uh, in the whole run up. I think this is uh, this is very positive. Uh, it's it's a significant player in that in that space. I think there's this ego thing also because uh, you know to beat the Aramco the, the IPO in terms of the size. So yeah. there'll be that desire to. <laughs> so soon, I didn't think the world would see a big IPO from Aramco's, but yeah. <laughs> so I think it'll be well received. Yeah, China Tech is something which is which is a very important. Uh, you know what we are seeing in in many cases with client um, asset allocation models, mm. and I think it's it's something which is the right way to do. Is instead of trying to think who is going to be the winner, mm-hmm. you know, between an Amazon and between an Alibaba, it yeah. is important to have China Tech as an asset class in the portfolios, and that's where you know these kind of IPOs come into play because it's an opportunity for retail investors to kind of you know uh, get into it or Ooh. through ETFs, of course. That is a, great, a very positive one. That is a very great way to think about it, right? In terms of, um, yeah, plays. So not just being seen as you're now saying that China Tech has to be an essential part of your portfolio. That's how I'm I'm seeing it. So Alibaba, Tencent, because they also have their own indirect holdings, right? So if if you have Alibaba and Alibaba has a stake in a company in, let's say in India, then you are kind of you know you're taking part in a much global tech uh, portfolio so that's why these stocks are become have become uh, crucial and not just a good stock which is uh, which is trading in the market Okay, so interesting nugget here. Market valuation could be worth more than 200 billion US dollars. We have a glimpse of its financials because of this IPO. But given yeah. that its market valuation is likely larger than some of America's biggest banks, what, what could this mean for investors? But they have, the, they have the volumes to back that. So even if you see the amount of payments uh, processing that they have done, it runs into, I think it's close to 16, 17 trillion dollars of uh, payment processing. So they have the necessary business growth and volume to support that kind of valuation. And at the same time, there is a growth trajectory also which is available. So, in fact, what I'm keen to see is whether Tencent stocks will go down. Is there a play there or, you know, how it will happen? Because in a way, it will be interesting to see that. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, yes. Do you have your eye on ByteDance, Didi Choosing as well? I mean, they have yet to choose a listing venue. In fact, there's a lot of action or a lot of investors who have started looking around for, you know, pre-IPO deals because uh, there's this whole, you know, uh, attention towards IPOs. So IPOs have actually started increasing after a five-year kind of lull. And if this uh, thing continues, then we'll have uh, more uh, filings. And for Shanghai Exchange also, this is a big victory because this is not getting listed in US and they're doing it in Shanghai and Hong Kong. So it will give, 
invest the you know the uh, corporates the confidence to list and and hence the success of this ipo is is uh, crucial both for jack ma and for the kind of the investor community between china and hong kong yeah hong kong and shanghai doing quite well in terms of global top ipos i mean prior to this there was uh, that big one agricultural bank of china icbc uh, also you know chose hong kong and shanghai uh, so giving new york tokyo uh, run for their money really yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, Swapnil, before we let you go, what is your, you know, every time we speak with you, we need a playlist that investors should meditate on. <laughs> <laughs> so this time, I was, I don't know if you've heard the song. The song is, of course, it's romantic. It's Dive by Ed Sheeran. But I like the chorus <laughs> because it, it ends on saying that, you know, if, uh, let me know the truth before I dive right into you. Oh. And that's where the markets are today. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so let me know the truth before I dive into Apple, <laughs> Tesla or <laughs> anything for that matter. <laughs> Investor so humor the there. Love it. Swapnil, you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye. He is Swapnil Mishra, head of private wealth at Crystal AI, joining me this morning in Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.